this time next year. Written and read by Liz Hines. 22nd of April. Muriel tells me that, if she recalls correctly, but it was six years ago, so she may be wrong, there are 20 ways to say yes in Welsh. Learning to say no would be more useful. My tea went cold last Thursday because I couldn't get rid of the lady on the phone trying to sell me a conservatory. I don't want to learn more options for yes, so I won't begin a crash course in Welsh just yet. I might inquire about an assertiveness course at the Women's Education Centre, though. Later. I've been booked onto the next assertiveness course starting in July. I'd only intended to make an inquiry, but the lady on the phone misunderstood and sounded so pleased that I was taking this first step that I didn't like to disappoint her. I'm sure it'll do me good, though. 23rd of April. Muriel read me an article out of her Daily Mail about a teenage boy's drug fueled frenzy and the reaction of his bewildered parents. We never even suspected he was taking drugs. He's always been such a good boy, said Mr and Mrs Robinson. Muriel tutted into her tea. I don't know. It's dreadful, isn't it, what the youth of today get up to? Hmm. Could I have a look at the paper after you, please? Mr and Mrs Robinson looked like a normal middle-class couple with a normal suburban home. I scoured the rest of the paper, convinced there would be a list of things to look for that indicate that your child is taking drugs, but for once the Daily Mail let me down. Why am I surprised to be let down by anything male? <laughs> Where do you suppose you'd get hold of drugs, do you think, Muriel? Oh, from what I hear, they're all too easy to get hold of in this town, if you know where to go. Does Adam know where to go? It would explain his regular money borrowing. Would I know if he were taking drugs? Or would I be as unsuspecting as Frenzy Boy's parents? I must do some surreptitious probing this evening. Over dinner with Adam, I raised the subject of drugs. Where would one go if wanted to get hold of some, say, ecstasy? Ecstasy? Yes. What do you want to know that for? I'm just curious. There are always dealers in the clubs. It's easy to get hold of. And they would be able to supply other kinds of drugs as well, I suppose. Yeah, sure. I was about to take my courage in my hands and ask Adam if he had ever used any when the phone rang and he disappeared to take the call in his room. I'm reassured by his lack of a guilty air when he replied to my questions. I'm sure if there was something amiss, he would have been less open. I don't have to worry about him. He is a sensible, well-brought-up lad. But Frenzy Boy's parents would probably say that their son was a sensible, brought-up lad too. I'll look on the internet later, after Adam has gone out. The signs of drug taking. The internet was not wonderfully helpful. It seems to me that most signs of drug taking could equally be signs of being normal, surly teenager. I'm sure there's nothing to worry about, but I left the website, including details of hideous deaths following drug overdoses, open on Adam's computer, where he can't fail to spot it.
24th of April. I had a most peculiar telephone conversation with Chloe this evening. She said she'd been talking to Adam and they were worried about me. You wouldn't do anything stupid, would you, Mum? <laughs> I do stupid things most days. Just ask young Mr Davis or Muriel, they'll tell you. No, I don't mean that. What do you mean then? Well, we know you've been unhappy since Dad left, but we thought you'd improved a bit. Oh, I have, sweetheart. I feel much better now. Are you sure? Yes, of course. You know, you could go back to the counsellor, or you can talk to me if you want. I'm a good listener. You don't have to, well, resort to anything else. I don't need to talk to anyone, Chloe. I'm fine, really, I am. Cries for help come in many different forms, Mum. I've experienced it helping at the women's refuge. I'm sure you're right. And lots of the women there are in denial. Really? But no one has to suffer their emotions alone. Oh, that's good. So you won't forget what I've said, will you? I promised I wouldn't, but couldn't bring myself to admit to not having a clue what she was getting at. I was so confused by the conversation that I forgot to ask her about Adam and drugs. 1st of May. I'm surprised I haven't yet received an invitation to Luke's 18th birthday party. I'm only assuming, of course, that Pippa and Rog are throwing a party for him. But they gave Helen a fabulous do on her 18th, and Pippa is always careful to treat her children the same. I expect the invite is on its way. 7th of May. Mum rang mid-morning, very distressed. Great Aunt Millie has been asked to leave the Lady Mary home for gentlefolk after an incident with a custard slice. Apparently Matron was reluctant to give details over the phone, but is insistent that Aunt Millie leaves as soon as possible. I tried to calm Mum down, but she kept saying things like, I should have known she would go this way, it's Albert all over again. I don't remember Great Uncle Albert very well, but I do know that he was only ever spoken of in hushed voices. Mum has arranged an appointment with Matron tomorrow morning to discuss the situation. I've said that I will go with her. Young Mr Davies was most understanding when I asked him for time off. He said, These old people are a trial, aren't they? I thought there was a wistfulness in his voice as he spoke. Later. Mum has called four times this evening. First to check that she had told me the time of the appointment tomorrow, 9.30. Then to ask how we are getting there. I'm driving. Then for my opinion on whether she should wear her blue suit or her green dress. Green dress. Before spending three quarters of an hour repeating what Matron had said and trying to work out what it might have meant. I find it impossible to imagine anything Auntie Millie could have done with a custard slice that would warrant expulsion. But Mum kept repeating, Ah, well, you didn't know Uncle Albert. She would not be drawn, though, on what he did. Chloe called this evening. I told her about Great Aunt Millie. She was horrified and indignant. She said, I have to make sure we don't let the old crow of a matron get away with it. We must stand up for Aunt Millie's rights. She fought in the war and shouldn't be treated like this. I was touched, if not a little surprised, at Chloe's vehemence. I'd forgotten she is very into rights. She also informed me that she has decided that she will work, 
or rather volunteer full-time in the women's refuge after graduation. My suggestion she could continue to do it in her spare time while earning a living was greeted with, Mum, you just don't understand. You live a comfortable life. You can't possibly know what it's like for these women. They need people like me. Unemployed poor people, you mean? Oh, Mum. Well, what will you live on? I'll get benefits and Dad has said he will help me out. Gina thinks it's a very selfless gesture on my part. Oh. I wonder if the Lady Mary home would take me in, as it is soon to have a vacancy. I'm obviously not suited for, or am too old to understand the life my children lead. I'll have to take a short lunch hour tomorrow to make up for going in late. I won't have time to go out and buy sandwiches, so I must remember to make them in the morning. Hmm, prawns would be nice. There are some in the freezer I can defrost. That reminds me, I'm hungry. I just have a bowl of cornflakes. That's not too unhealthy. Lying in bed later. Oh, I shouldn't have eaten those chocolate biscuits. Cornflakes and banana would have been quite enough. I'm turning into a little piggy. No wonder all my clothes are feeling tight. I shall diet. But first I must weigh myself. No point dieting until I know what my starting weight is. Although I'm not sure I can trust the scales in the bathroom. They seem to have weighed heavy ever since I bought them. 8th of May, Thursday, lunchtime. I'm eating cheese sandwiches at my desk. They'd be tastier if the bread were fresher, or if I'd remembered to defrost the prawns. Still, I consider it an achievement that I managed to make them at all, in between phone calls from Mum, first reminding me that we were going to see the matron this morning, then checking what time I planned to pick her up, then asking if I had considered the rush hour traffic. It's very bad at this time of day. Should we leave early, do you think? We don't want to be late, do we? I finally managed to convince her that three quarters of an hour was plenty of time, even with busy roads, for a journey that normally takes 20 minutes. Mum looked very nice in her blue suit when I collected her, and she was in a good mood. Chloe had called her and told her what to say. Aunt Millie has rights, after all, Alison, we mustn't forget that. No, Mum. It's thanks to her generation that we are a free people today. Yes, Mum. Did Chloe tell you she's going to work in the Home for Fallen Women? The Women's Refuge, yes, Mum. It's wonderful, isn't it? She's such a generous child. I couldn't argue with that. I have two very generous children, especially when it's someone else's money they're being generous with. The interview with Matron was unsuccessful. She will not allow Great Aunt Millie to stay. What she did was quite unacceptable and there's no question of her remaining in this home for genteel folk. She stressed the word genteel. Mum went strangely quiet during the interview, leaving it to me to argue. I tried to put forward a considered response based on Chloe's suggestions. I floundered around a bit as I realised how ridiculous it sounded and I ended up saying I thought... Auntie Millie's action showed great creativity and resourcefulness, to which Matron replied, That's one way of putting it. It's the only way of putting it, I said. We shall be delighted to take Aunt Millie away from a place where her natural spirit is obviously being stifled by tight-lipped, mean-faced old bags. I probably shouldn't have said that, as Matron might have been on the point of wavering. We left quite soon after that. 
We have to go back at the weekend to pick up Auntie Millie and her bags. Mum is torn between loyalty and agreeing with my sentiments and dread at the thought of having Auntie Millie to live with her for any length of time. She is phoning around other homes urgently. I would like to think that when I am old I will show Auntie Millie's spirit. I suspect I may have no choice in the matter if it's in the genes. I should start planning now, saving for a good home. I'll tell the children to put me there and not feel guilty. They may visit from time to time, but when the time comes that I do not recognise them, they are free to stop coming and forget about me. I can see myself telling them this. They will hug me and say, Don't be silly, Mum, we could never forget you. We'll come every week and take you out for rides in the car to the seaside and wrap a blanket over your knees and buy you an ice cream and let you sit and look at the sea. And then we'll wipe the dribbles off your chin if we can find it under your beard and change your incontinence pads. Oh dear, I've depressed myself now. Is this what happens when you hit 50? I knew it wouldn't be good, but hadn't realised that the rate of decay would increase quite so rapidly. Oh, now the phone won't stop ringing and it's putting me off my sandwiches. Muriel is out at lunch, so I suppose I'd better answer it. Honestly, the cheek of some people. The man had the nerve to complain that I had taken a long time to answer the phone. I'm a busy man. I don't have time to hang around waiting for phones to be answered. Well, I'm sorry, but I'll have you know that I am actually on my lunch break. I only answered the phone out of the kindness of my heart. In that case, I am deeply touched by your commitment to your job. Now, could I speak to your young Mr Davies, please? I'm sorry, he's at lunch. Would you like him to call you back when he comes in? Thank you, yes, it's David Davis. He has my number. I knew it was him. Who else would phone during what is nationally accepted as the lunch hour? Intolerable man. And I very much doubt the sincerity of his comment, re my commitment to the job, too. Bet he is hell to work for, even if he does have a gloriously seductive Burtonesque voice. Hooray! There is a vacancy in Fairy Hill home for the expectancy challenged and they have agreed to take Great Aunt Millie on a trial basis. Mum is very relieved, as am I. I don't think I could have coped with the constant phone calls that Mum would have been sure to have made to tell me what Auntie Millie had done now. When I told Adam the good news, he said, Auntie Millie should be well at home there then. What do you mean? She's been away with the fairies for ages. I tutted at him and told him not to be so cheeky. He will be old himself one day. However, I couldn't help chuckling. I'm wondering if the proprietors had given due thought to the name.